Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. We're in chambers this week, clearing the docket. And with me, as always, is the man who judges all other men, as well as women, non-binary people, and gender fluid people, Judge John Hodgman. Once again, I'm coming to you live on podcast tape from the solar-powered studios of WERU in Orland, Maine, 89.9 on your frequency modulation dial. If you're in Blue Hill or the area, if not, go to WERU.org. Across the glass from me, our local Maine guest producer, engineer, operations manager of the station, Joel Mann. How are you, Joel? Good judge. I almost called you Mole Jan. I apologize. My old name in high school was Mole Man. Yeah. That's fun. You know what? I'm learning something new every day. <laughs> That's incredible. How many years have I done this in Maine with you, Joel? Five? Yeah, five years. Hard to believe. I didn't know you were Mole Man before this. Well, you know. Why is that not your DJ name? Uh, that's, never mind. We're going to be listening to some more Joel Bird and the Field Hippies. I'm Mole Man. Bringing you all the underground hits. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I have, we have a very special guest. I want to get to him right away, but I got to give Joel the market report. Joel? Yes, sir. I was up at the trade winds. They don't have smoked ham hocks. I called the Shaws in Ellsworth. You're kidding. No smoked ham hocks. I called the uh, Hannaford in Ellsworth. No smoked ham hocks. I got these beans that I want to make with smoked ham hocks. Can't get them. Then I called John Edwards Market, the very unfortunately named market in Ellsworth. <laughs> Upscale. <laughs> Went through a down period. Yeah. <laughs> it had a completely neutral period. I go there for my haircuts, John. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Ham hocks come to Castine. They don't have ham hocks at Joel Edwards, but I'm supposed to call Sheila tomorrow to order them. Ah, Sheila will get it done. You got to call Father's Country Hams. They have some smoked ham hocks for me. Yeah, Father's Country Hams is nothing but smoked ham hocks. Well, I mean, right. smoked ham hocks and uh, you know chicharrones and uh, mm-hmm. man, Father's Country Hams, and of course, country hams. Well, look, if they want to sponsor this podcast, that's great. If not, let's stop talking about them. Anyone who's got a uh, – and uh, and to those of you in the audience who don't eat uh, smoked ham hocks, I apologize. Um, let's move on. Yeah. We have a guest on this week's program. Who is this person? This person is a stand-up comedian. This person is a comedy writer on Desus and Marrow. This person is the host of the podcast Make My Day. This person is the author – of the essay collection, Nice Try. This person is well-known across the globe for his well-earned reputation as the nicest man in comedy, as That's evidenced right. by some of the three out of ten jokes that he laughed at before we hit record. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Gondelman. Hey, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm such a fan of the show, so this is a real treat. Josh, for me. Mm-hmm. let me tell you this right now. Yeah. This is a total delight. Thank you. You know why? Why? Because you are a total delight. If you are hearing my voice right now, that means you're probably a listener to this podcast. If you don't know who Josh Gondelman is, you've gone, you've made a horrible mistake in your life. <laughs> yeah, Josh Gondelman is the Judge John Hodgman of stand-up comedians, but funny. Yeah, okay, and there successful. we go. Yeah, oh <laughs> wow, <boy>. really? <laughs> really turning this into a roast of the judge. No, well, no, yeah. I meant for that to be a roast of our podcast together. I apologize <laughs> that your name, John, is the name of the podcast, and so it became very unclear. Speaking of roast, 
I am uh, personally endorsed by a different ham brand than Jesse made than oh, Jesse wow. mentioned earlier. Yeah, so I've I've got a. You can't see it, listeners, but I'm wearing a full ham jumpsuit. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're not sponsored by Father's Hams. You're sponsored by Stepdad's Hams. Stepdad's <laughs> Hams. Yeah. Yep. The, the hands I'm you don't here. call dad. Their famous slogan, I'm not here to replace your father's country hams. <laughs> I just love your mother's hams. <laughs> maybe maybe if I make a ham steak for you on a Sunday morning, I'll earn your love. You can feel free to call me Bill. You don't have to call me father's country hams. <laughs> Well, I think listeners now know a sense of just how funny and delightful Josh Gondelman is. <laughs> you know, this podcast, I dare say, has a reputation for being one of the nicer podcasts. You know, we try to be nice to people. We try to find the crux of their dispute, to listen and empathize as much as we can. When we get something wrong, we try to address it and learn from it. You know, mm-hmm. Jesse and I have reputations as nice guys. But the truth is, compared to you, Josh, we're monsters. We're human evil monsters. <laughs> Josh is genuinely one of the nicest and most generous people. You know, like he has been on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle, Josh? Everyone should know this. Write it down right now, everybody. It's at Josh, Josh Gondelman, G-O-N-D-E-L man, as Method Man would spell it. (laughs) At Josh Gondelman, your name, Mm J-O-S-H-G-O-N-D-E-L-M-A-N. Like you'll get up on a Sunday morning and say, who needs a pep talk? Mm Mm-hmm. And someone will say, yeah, it's been going bad for me. And you'll say, it's going to be great. And this gets me so steamed up when I see it happening. I love it because then you're like, who's feeling too – like they've been riding too high lately and needs to be taken down a peg. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And you'll just put people in their place, which is also important. If people need to be unpepped, I will tell them, yeah, you know what? (laughs) You're you're right to be nervous that no one loves you. No, I don't ever say that. I would never say that. And jo- and Josh, you say you're a fan of this podcast. Thank you. I am a fan of your podcast, Make My Day, on which Thank I have you. been a guest. You were a terrific guest. We talked a lot about abandoned malls and secret societies. It was so much fun. And tell, tell the listeners a little bit about your podcast, Make My Day, before we get into the justice that we need to serve. My podcast is a one-on-one game show, or sometimes there's a team of contestants that are playing collaboratively, so the Mm. guests always win. There's no tension. There's no stress. You don't have to worry about Mm. who's going to win. And the winner always gets a $100 donation to the charity or aid cause of their choice. It's very silly, very light, and the, the premise of all the games are for the guests to cheer me up and make me feel delighted. Oh, I have to say something, Josh. You make so many good jokes, and I and I and I laugh hard at a lot of your jokes on Twitter. But it's such a delight to Thank make you. you laugh too. Yeah, it's just fun. Also, you. Josh, you are a Commonwealthian of Massachusetts. I am by birth. Yeah, where are you from in Massachusetts? I grew up in Stoneham, Massachusetts. Stoneham, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And you're a fan of Dunkin' Donuts. Big Dunkin' Donuts fan. Uh, I will, however, I feel like. It's a big corporation. They probably do some bad stuff. I love their iced coffee. I love their Beyond Sausage Sandwich. I love their blueberry... Uh, I, they changed the name. It used to be the Blueberry Cake Donut, but I think now it's Blueberry Glazed. But okay. if it All turns right. out, if someone's like, oh, Dunkin' Donuts, you know, they put um, uh, every 
every donut has a one child's fingernail in it, I'd be like, well, I disavow them immediately. So I don't want to get caught on the record being gotcha loving a big I'm not trying to put you on blast. No, not you. I love how much you love I Dunkin' Donuts. Mean, I love I have a Dunkin' Donuts robe. Yeah, and, and sneakers. You have a lot of Dunkin' Donuts swag. And sneakers. Yes, I do. Yeah. The sneakers were given to me by... Uh, a friend who works at Saucony, where the collaboration was, and it was, I love them. They're so comfortable. Josh, I have a recommendation for you. You already have a robe. You already have sneakers. Mm-hmm. If you get a giant bejeweled donut wrist piece, you could mm-hmm. go full Dunkin' Donuts Ghostface Killer. I would love, yeah, like a not just donut flat to the wrist, but a big donut coming out in 3D. Yeah, it comes like off about eagle. eight inches. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I want that. I want that so bad. I said to my wife, Maris, at one point last year, um, I said- Sorry, everyone. Josh is married. (laughs) The apologies have been mostly to my wife. (laughs) Joel Um, was just signaling to me that he wanted your number. Sorry, Joel. Josh is married. Okay. Joel, you can still have my phone number, but we can't get married or have any kind of romantic relationship. (laughs) But my phone number is good for other stuff. That sounds like what I said- to every young woman I ever met in high school or college. The, the just, moment they Hey, whatever. This is your, this is up to you. And yeah. phone numbers, honestly, they're good for more than ever. <laughs> right? Back in the day, you could only make a phone call or leave a, a, an answering machine message. Now yeah. you can text, now send a voice text. note. The sky's the limit. Send pictures. Send pictures. Right? <laughs> you yeah. want pictures of my dog? You can. That's what my phone number is for. But no romance. <laughs> I forgot that the Make My Day podcast is is sponsored primarily by phones. <laughs> Any of them. Good That's... for more than ever. It's phone numbers. <laughs> Call your stepdad. Tell him you'll never love him, no matter how many hams he makes you. <laughs> no, you can love your stepdad. I don't want to make Go it sound ahead. like stepdads are unlovable. We encourage you. We encourage you to love your stepdad if that's what you feel in your heart. Yeah. I mean, if he's got the right country hams, you might as well. (laughs) The point is, Josh, you're nicer than me. And anyone who follows us both on Twitter knows that you and I sometimes get into a little game Mm -hmm. where, where, where I insinuate, like, you know, you love Dunkin' Donuts, but I will often insinuate that you're a particular fan of powdered donuts, if you know what I mean. (laughs) You love that sugar. You love that sugar on the donuts. I will say that is not my preference. (laughs) I stay away from the powder. <laughs> I'm going to say for the record, I know this. Josh is not addicted to powdered donuts. Thank you. <laughs> it's just a game. And sometimes, Josh, people get mad at me for bullying you about <laughs> your fictional powdered donut obsession. So I apologize for mm-hmm. that. I hope that that has never made you feel bullied. It has never made me feel bullied or hurt. I also kind of live in a zone where... Of someone I like and admire and am friendly with and friends with being bullied by them is such a like a comedy treat to me and right. I never like it happens it occasionally happens on Showtime's Jesus and Marrow mm-hmm. where they'll bully me and it's always a good time they'll on their podcast sometimes and I'll find out secondhand. We were just, uh, someone will text me like, hey, you know, uh, Jesus and Mero said on their podcast that you were screaming racial epithets at Yankee Stadium. And it's like, that's a joke. You know, I would never go to Yankee Stadium as a, as a Red Sox fan. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that, Josh. Of course, uh, you, you know, that permission structure is useless because uh, this is a uh, an asymmetrical power structure. You're on my podcast. Mm-hmm. I, maybe you felt bullied yes. to say that. I apologize. 
But in any no, case, no, shut no, up no. now. Wait, it's this... my podcast. Let's go. <laughs> okay, here's something from Matthew. He says, as a former busboy, I get uneasy when dirty plates are sitting on the table while my girlfriend and I continue our evening conversation. I usually initiate clearing the table, and I do so by stacking one plate on top of another. If there are scraps of food, I scrape the scrap from them onto one plate and stack that scrap plate on top of the others. My girlfriend insists that stacking dirty plates is a breach of etiquette. She says it makes the bottoms of the plates dirty. I think it's just common sense. I would like a ruling that allows me to stack the dirty plates without being made to feel weird about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Josh, Jesse, listeners, Joel, Jennifer Marmer. Whoa. Whoa, it's all J's. I never knew that before. I'm looking from top to bottom, from the glass to the Zoom. Joel, Jennifer, John Hodgman, Josh, Jesse. We got to get some other other alphabet letters in here. So, <laughs> we're, we're, we're missing some diversity of opinion. Anyway, the point is... Uh, I'm going to have to recuse myself from this one because this is exactly how I do it. If it's not clear, what Matthew is saying is at the dinner table with his girlfriend and they're all done, he will he will start stacking the plates and setting them aside on the dinner table, not necessarily bring them to the sink. And he will scrape the food onto all the food onto one plate and then stack them up with that scrap plate on top. That's how I do it. So I'm obviously biased. So I'm going to recuse myself. Josh. I don't know how often you and Maris, your wife, are sitting down to <laughs> dinner these days uh, now that we're months and months into a pandemic uh, a stay-at-home situation. But uh, what do you do about the dishes when you sit down to dinner with your with your wife, Maris? So dinner together is like one of the few things that has made this situation like it's one of the few comfortable things that we do with intent and to take pleasure in during this uh, pandemic that, that it's very nice to do. So we do it. We eat dinner together almost every night at the nice. table. Um, usually we clear plates independently. We have a dishwasher. So that might change the calculus a little bit mm. because if you are doing the dishes and there's now, now scraps, if you do the, the, the scrap scrape and there's now gunk on the top of the, a little gunk on the top of the plate residually and on the bottom that does create a little more work for someone who's washing dishes by hand. Oh, so okay. I understand if he's putting that on her, I understand her discomfort. Otherwise I, I am not put off by this. We usually clear plates independently though. And right. then, uh, yeah, we take care of putting them in the dishwasher and then I'll do the, um, the, pots and pan dishes after that one quick follow-up question but first i want to thank you for uh saying scrap scrape like that's a normal thing to say thanks for endorsing that new yeah. phrase the uh, scrap scrape and stack <laughs> do you mean <laughs> you got a scrap scrape before you make your sc scraped stack never mind yep <laughs> what did you have for dinner last night what did we have for dinner oh we had ordered um, chicken parm the night before, mm, and mm. it was two meals worth. So we had chicken parm, and I sautéed some broccoli for to accompany it. So we would have a, a vegetable. Yeah, very nice. You would have to scrape that scrap, though, because you can't put a dish with half a chicken parm into the dishwasher. you got to throw that away. No. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, certainly not. Jesse Thorne, how do, you, how do you deal with your scrap scrapes situation? I also have a dishwasher, but we've been working on trying to get our kids to clear their places. So mm -hmm. we will ask them to clear their places individually. Uh, but in the event that we have failed in that mission, 
I will scrap scrape. Um, and I, you know, I think that I understand the argument if you don't have a dishwasher because um, you then have to do extra cleaning on the bottoms of the plates. But I will also mm -hmm. say <laughs> that uh, back when I did not have a dishwasher and uh, I failed to wash sufficiently the bottom of the plates. I, I believe Judge John Hodgman listeners wrote in to call me a monster for insufficiently <clears throat> cleaning the bottoms of plates that had not had food on them and would <laughs> never have food on them unless you were using the plate upside down. Well, I suppose I should have asked if they had a dishwasher. That was inf information I probably could have used. But I did ask for some more information because I wasn't quite sure I understood everything. I asked Matthew some, for more information about what his girlfriend finds objectionable, aside from just dirtying the bottom of the plates. And he wrote, she also thinks, and I'm quoting here, she also thinks it's distasteful to scrape one's plate scraps onto another plate in view of your companion. I think that's gross, I guess. And finally, she thinks it a little odd that I need to remove the dirty plates so quickly. She takes that as a signal that I am not interested in the conversation, which isn't true at all. I just get distracted by the dirty plates, and I keep imagining I'll set my elbow down in it or something. Does that change your mind about anything? Give you any further food for scraping thought? It's pretty weird to leave them there. <laughs> That is pretty weird. <laughs> like they've, he really has found a way to make a pile of uneaten food more weird and gross. You think that that's okay? Because you know, I already, I, you, I already said that I do what Matthew does. I don't feel like getting up from the table, and sometimes my family and I, we want to, we've finished eating, and we want to play Monopoly Deal or something. We need some room in the middle of the table. So you just keep a pile of mixed food waste at your dinner table on top of a what, pile case... of plates off to the side <laughs> in case I one of my human children it, ever dude. feel like just getting up and doing it. a thing just clear I... it what's yeah, but my... I'm sitting on the bench okay go on josh <laughs> my concern here is not so much the the detritus the shipwreck of plates and gristle that that adorns their table but i do think if you have a dining companion who is worried that you're signaling like all right time to go watch seinfeld in syndication let's leave this table by your actions that to me is paramount making sure that they know i love this conversation i'm just gonna get these out of the way right i think like the the social thing that i don't necessarily share her opinion that uh it's it's uncouth to undress a plate in front of your loved one but i do think if if she's like oh are are you are you ready to get up i think you need to go a little it is nice to go a little extra mile to go hey uh let's keep hanging out like i'm just trying to make the space more comfortable for myself so you're saying that somehow communication between two people who love each other will help this situation like I've got kind of an unorthodox oh, style. I'm kind of the old dirty bastard of podcasting. No father <laughs> to my style. One stepfather, and that's stepfather's Baytams. Joel, what do you do? I mean, you're you're here you, in you Maine. You can you can call me Mole Man. All oh, right, Mole Mole Man. What do you do? I mean, you're here in Maine. You just throw your leftover food and your plate into the wood stove, right? Right, paper plates. Right. <laughs> Figured as much. I gotta mm -hmm. say. Thank you for your input, Jesse and Josh and Mole Man. I'm, Josh is correct. Now I've come around. 
I feel shame for keeping those dirty plates on the table. It's just, I want to clean. I'm like Matthew in the sense, I don't want to rush from the table, but it looks and feels untidy to me to have, you know, leftover dead plates in front of everyone as they're sitting, I don't know, talking about the issues of the day or having a stimulating conversation or playing apples to apples or whatever. It gets in the way of the of my enjoyment because it feels messy. More messy than a stack of dirty plates with food waste at the end of the table. But I get it. I, I appreciate that Matthew's girlfriend finds that to be gross. I think that he needs to hear her. I think she needs to respect his level of comfort that he would not like to have plates in front of them as they continue their evening. But I mean, she also needs to appreciate that it's beyond his comfort level to just sit with plates in front of them. I guess the way she was raised in a family that did that. But that he, he as a busboy, has been trained to clear the plates. And it does not mean the dinner is over. It means let the coffee course begin or what have you. So, Matthew, I think Josh is correct. You should communicate to your girlfriend how you feel and hear what she has to say and come to what seems like a reasonable resolution, which is when dinner is over, say, I'd love to keep talking, but I'm just going to clear our plates. I'll bring them into the kitchen and, and take care of that business there, and I'll come right back. I do recommend that you do that. And if you aren't capable of communicating with your girlfriend, I just told her for you. You're welcome. Judgment made. <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, to hear from this week's supporters. We'll be back with more cases to clear from the docket on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. And later, the return of scary words from creepy children. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you, it's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. 
The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2020, Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step-by-step, day-by-day, bird-by-bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We're clearing the docket with our friend Josh Gondelman. uh, Josh and Jesse, excuse me, just really quickly before we get going, um, I received all I received all the photographs of your dishwashers. Josh Gondelman, last time I made a knowing error by inviting people to send photographs of their dishwashers because one of the very, very common disputes that comes up on the Judge John Hodgman podcast is how to load the dishwasher. And I offered the first five people to send me photos of their dishwashers. I offered essentially a, a John Hodgman masterclass in how to do how to do it better than they're doing it currently. But I realized this is a ter- I got them. I thank you for the photos. I'm going to respond. Uh, it's, it's not a good segment for the podcast because these are visual. I don't want to describe these. And also, a lot of them, people sent them to me empty. Like, how can I know? How can I know what you're doing? You're right or wrong? Like, uh, but you know, some of you sent in dishwashers that were loaded extremely poorly. I'm going to be. I'm going to happily evaluate those on the Judge John Hodgman Instagram account. I'll grab some of them and uh, and and I'll critique them on the Judge John Hodgman Instagram account, and we can all learn there while we're looking at the photos. And if and uh, luckily no one sent in any, in any joke, like I was expecting someone to send in like a dishwasher that was just full of smoked ham hocks. Am I doing it right? You know, <laughs> didn't happen. Okay, so uh, thank you for your patience, and let's move. Oh, one other thing, Josh. Josh Gondelman, you grew up in Massachusetts. Did you have Channel 25? It was Fox 25. It was I Fox think, 25 was, by the time. Yeah. yeah. And you're mm-hmm. you're younger than me. So you never watched the show Star Blazers, did you? The the Japanese dubbed anime Star Blazers? No. Oh. Do you recommend it? I do. And I highly recommend the theme song. Have you ever heard it? No. Well, be patient, because you're not going to hear it today. Okay, Jesse, let's go. <laughs> Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. (laughs) Keep listening. Here's something from Celeste. She says, my friend Mike and I are on a board game review podcast. We play a lot of lengthy, involved European style games together, along with our other two panelists. During these games, it sometimes becomes evident that one of us will not be able to win the game as they are too far behind. 
but that they still have a chance to influence who will win by throwing their resources behind another player of their choice. In the world of board games, this action is called kingmaking. Mm. I believe kingmaking to be a legitimate strategy, allowing the losing player to feel useful and engaged in play until the end of the game. Mike disagrees and believes it is not in the spirit of the game's design and undermines the hard work and planning of other players who may have gone on to win if the kingmaker had stayed out of it. He wishes to ban kingmaking from our play. This issue often leads to the other two panelists sitting idly by while Mike and I debate it heatedly during gameplay, which is recorded for the podcast. All four panelists have agreed to abide by your ruling. Wow. This sounds definitely like a long and involved podcast. (laughs) (laughs) They don't keep it tight like us. No, right. Pow, pow, pow. pow. (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts, scallops. (laughs) All right. Now you got me. You got me. I'm going to go on a tangent. You opened the door, counselor, when David Reese and I were writing out plot ideas for Dicktown. The only idea that we scrapped, the only episode we scrapped was... David Reese and I having to mediate between two groups of rival podcasters who were fight, who were in competition with each other for having the world's longest podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like one podcast was like 14 hours long, which sounds like this <laughs> board game podcast that Celeste and her and her friends are hosting. Now, Gondelman, you, you here's a little peek behind the scenes of the Judge Sean Hodgman Ways and Means the process. I'll get a lot of letters from people saying, I would like to take, I have a podcast about XYZ and I'd like to take my co-host to task for doing ZYX on our podcast. Mm -hmm. And you know what I do with those letters? What do you do? I dump them immediately. I print them out and throw them in a fire. A friend did that to me when I asked them to blurb my book. Uh, <laughs> what? Sent me a video. It was I don't know why I said a friend. It was Eugene Merman who just printed out my email and threw it in his fireplace and then sent me a video. <laughs> I think your book is lovely. Thank you. I don't even think there was text in the reply. I think it was just the video. The bu- the book Nice Try by Josh Gondelman is is a wonderful a book of funny essays that you should check out immediately. Signed, Thank John you. Hodgman. No, but Thank when people when people write in and they say, I've got a podcast and I want to take my podcast co-host to the court, I usually look at them with a somewhat jaded eye because I really, most of the time, 99 out of 100 times, it's someone who's trying to stealth buzz market their podcast. They don't really have a fight. I was mm-hmm. going to throw Celeste's letter into the garbage right away. Eugene Merman style. I was going to throw it in the fire. <laughs> but I let Celeste off the hook because she did not name her podcast in the letter and and clearly did, was not intending to plug her podcast. And for those reasons, and also because I think this podcast sounds so long that I'm not worried about too many people listening to it, I searched it up <laughs> and I will plug it now. It's called Which Game First, and it's co-hosted by Celeste, Evan, Mikey G, Edward P, and Joe, I think his name is Unfreed, but it's spelled Unfried. And I just, this it seems like a fun, fun group of people playing some fun games, and their bios are terrific. Joe Unfried, 
His bio is, Joe and Fried has always loved the alphabet. Perfect. <laughs> Love them all. Love them all. Now, on to the meat of the matter. Do you play long European style board games, Josh Gondelman? No, we play quick word games usually. We do a, a Scrabble, a Boggle, Bananagrams, code names. Those are that's what our speed is at our home. But you, you, ha you also have a podcast. Make my day. Yes, and you and your wife Maris have no children. You have a wonderful little pug, right? Mm -hmm. So you have yes. time to play long European style board games. I don't understand why you're messing with Boggle. The insult to good games. <laughs> we don't. Well, I thought European style board games means you play with someone who isn't your wife and everyone just kind of lets it go. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, he's what the men are like. <laughs> no, I, I think that these are like big, big involved, like Settlers of Catan, right? That's sort of the Ur European mm -hmm. board game. What do you think yeah, about this? That's what it sounds like. This king making technique, Josh. So it feels to me like if that were to be prohibited in the intricate rules of the game, it would be specified within the game. And especially when you're reviewing a podcast, right. whether kingmaking is allowed for within the rules and makes the game unfun, right? Like if you can lose and then immediately dictate who wins by allocating your resources, that seems like a flaw in the game and is worth noting in the review. But if kingmaking... It allows the game to go on with like a twist and a wrinkle, then that also seems seems notable to the yeah. to the gameplay and should be thought of in the review as well. A twist and a wrink. What do you think, Jesse Thorne? I'm terrified to play any board games mm -hmm. uh, for reasons that I've uh, listed many times on this program. Specifically, <laughs> that if I win, I will feel bad for beating everyone, and if I lose, I will feel bad because I lost. And while I'm trying to win, I will feel bad for trying to win. And if I don't try and win, I will feel bad for selling myself short. <laughs> it's a real win-lose-lose-lose situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just I, I I was listening to you, Jesse, but I was also looking at Joe Unfried's bio. Continues. He can swim. Sometimes he wears glasses, <laughs> and sometimes he wears socks. It sounds like a game of like one of those games where you have to guess a celebrity, but you can't say any of the movies they've been in or something. Yeah. I think we've all played that and we've all chosen the celebrity Joe Unfried. Joe Unfried. <laughs> Never fried. You draw the card and you're just like, too easy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Loves the alphabet. Sometimes wears glasses, can swim. And everybody in unison is like, Unfried. Look at the backing vocals to girls. What's my weakness? Men. <laughs> Like with that level of confident enthusiasm, like salt and pepper are there playing yeah. celebrity with you. One guy just goes, Anthony Edwards. Oh, close. For me, ER. Anthony Edwards. Get out. Yeah. Joe Unfried. It's Unfried. <laughs> Celeste, you wrote in, I'm sorry that I'm making Joe Unfried the star of your podcast. It's not fair. You put in the effort. <laughs> and I will reward your effort by ruling in your favor. King making. Look, everyone knows the law. It doesn't say anywhere in the rule book that a dog can't play basketball. Right, Josh? It does not. If it did, the Air Bud would be such a flawed movie. <laughs> that's, that's right. It wouldn't it wouldn't go anywhere. It wouldn't even have a first act. No. No way. 
If They'd be like, we want the dog to play. And someone point to the rule book and be like, nah, weirdos. I guess we'll go back to being losers. <laughs> like, I feel that it seems like a really nice twist in a rink to have a situation where someone who is effectively eliminated from the game through attrition can now uh, yet influence the game and have fun rather than sit around and, and, and do nothing on your podcast. And if it's not officially prohibited by the game itself, to me, it seems fair play. I'd much rather be in a hours long European style board game where even if I've lost, I still get to play Mitch McConnell style mind games with people behind the scenes. <laughs> and I appreciate, I understand why Mike might disagree. Probably this guy doesn't know how to do it. He's not a kingmaker. You know what I mean, Josh? oh yeah he's just like i just want to play by the rules and, and do a good job and celeste's like that's not what's happening enjoy sitting on the sidelines of history while kings get made without your consent yeah exactly <laughs> celeste is sitting on the side going like no i'm still a power broker in, in this land of Catan or whatever so you know i rule in celeste's favor if there's if king making is not prohibited by the rules then it's fine i think it makes it more interesting and more fun Here's something from Liz. My boyfriend has a Sharpie stealing problem. Every single day he accidentally steals at least one or two Sharpies from work, just sticks them into his pockets and brings them home, then dumps them on some surface. We are overrun. The pencil drawers and cups are full to bursting. Every time I do laundry, pocket Sharpies come tumbling out of the dryer. He reaches into his pocket to pull out keys, and boom, Sharpies flying. Our dresser, Sharpies. My car, Sharpies. When I close my eyes, Sharpies. His bosses even ask that if someone has taken the Sharpies home by accident for them to be returned. But since he doesn't like his job, for good reason, he doesn't think he ought to return them. He says that they're useful, so he doesn't think he should stop. Please order him to return at least most of the Sharpies and stop bringing home new ones. I don't mind a few, as they do have some utility, but this is just excessive. This is why I like this case, Josh and Jesse. Mm -hmm. Liz tells one story that turns into another story. You think that this is just like, my, my boyfriend loves Sharpies so much. And I don't like them as much. And sometimes I'm doing the wash and they, they fly out of his pockets and hit me in the eye. But that's <laughs> not the story. Like a, one of those prank cans yeah, of right. <laughs> nut, mixed nuts. Yeah. Peanut brittle. Oh, I'd love, I'd love some peanut brittle. Ah, oh, Sharpie's in my eye. <laughs> so dangerous. Yeah, the fine point ones, the worst Sharpies. Mm -hmm. Look, there's one kind of Sharpie, the regular Sharpie. Fine point Sharpies, get out of town. Don't want you. I rule against you. No one wants you. Sorry. I heard their feelings. What about chisel tip? Chisel tip's fine. If you're a fan of calligraphy, you know who's a fan of calligraphy? Joe Unfried. My middle school girlfriend, <laughs> Jennifer Joe? Tananga. That's what I was going to guess, but I didn't want to sound stupid yeah. if I was wrong. Jennifer Tananga and also Joe Unfried. It was either that or Anthony Edwards. Everyone knows his grandfather was a master painter and calligrapher, and it's where Joe Unfried got his excellent handwriting. Yeah. Wow. True story. Uh, but what's interesting, the, the, there's, an, there's an, another narrative embedded in here. There's a twist to this. Which is that it's not just that his 
It's not just that her boyfriend is bringing home Sharpies from work. He's bringing home Sharpies from work in vast quantities after he has been told not to. He is having a Sharpie fight with his work. He's trying to de-Sharpify his, his office. And I guess invite them to fire him or something? I don't know. There's a level of malevolence and uh, 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 what's the term of a, a disgruntlement that's going on that is unaddressed here in this thing. Yeah, they're suffering from what in business is called Sharpie shrinkage. <laughs> and he goes back to the office, or what, once he leaves the office for the day, everything anyone writes down is just temporary. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Things are getting erased willy and nilly. Both. Josh, is Desus and Marrow the Showtime television show starring the great Desus and Marrow? Yes. Probably the best show on television starring... Guys I know from an internet message board 20 years ago. True. I would say almost definitely. Yeah. That's true. Until Jay Smooth gets a television show. <laughs> Everyone should check out the Jesus and Marrow show on Showtime. I, I, was a, I was a guest on the show when it was on another network. And I can vouch. Those two guys are two of the nicest and funniest people in the world. Wonderful. Incredible. Wonderful, hilarious guys. Incredible. And uh, it's just it's I presume that they know that I'm in Maine right now. So that's the only reason I've never been asked back in any case, because it's hard. It takes a long drive. To get. In any case, are you you're not in an office now with them? You're not making the show. There's no. No, we've been working office. remotely. Right. But there was a time when you went into the production office, correct? Correct. What was your what's your title at the show? I'm a writer and co-executive producer. That's 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 up there. It's been it's been exciting. It's nice to to be able to participate in the show at that level. It's very thrilling to me, and I, and I like my job very much. So, what office supplies would you steal when you were working there in the office? What would you take home? So, there was never intentional theft, but I would occasionally take a ballpoint pen, put it in my pocket as I walked through the office, bring it home. But then I would usually put it back in my pocket the next morning and bring it back to work to continue writing. <laughs> You just didn't want to break writing continuity. <laughs> yeah, it's just if you switch pens, I feel like the work suffers. You're telling me you never stole a, a pad of Post-its knowingly? You never looked into the office supply cabinet and go like, hmm, 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 what will I take home today? I love these green-tinted steno notebooks. No, I, I, um, I'm very particular and I, about little things like that. So I feel like stealing a notebook is not only luck. I wouldn't do that to my work, but second of all, I would just have a notebook that I would resent until I filled it up. When you say you're particular though, you mean you're particular about being a virtuous person or you're particular about. No, 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 no. Your office supplies. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Particular about my office supplies. What's an office supply you love? I have the. I'm not gonna. I don't want to buzz market a big brand. No, go for it. But I like a a day planner that is thin and easy to carry in a bag, and that the layout of the day planner is just like a month calendar with the squares, so I can write in the squares instead of line. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm not worried about you buzz marketing a big company. I'm worried about you losing your top sponsor phones by advocating <laughs> for paper calendars. You know that can be done on phones now. 
I do. And honestly, on my podcast, I have to pretend like I use the phone calendar. <laughs> I'm going to be like, wow, phones? What a, what is you? I mean, some phones don't have calendars. They're plugged into a wall still. And I love those. <laughs> but the new ones, they've got a calendar I can use. Jesse, you're very virtuous, too. You probably never stole any office supplies from your place of work, right? No. I, and besides that, uh, I am the owner of my place of work. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking so, about before then. Oh, like back when I worked at the Trust for Public Land. That was the yeah. last time I had a, a real office job. No, I wouldn't because... Because uh, they uh, trusted you. Yeah, exactly. Right. That Those office supplies were designed to right. uh, to make conservation easements and public parks for the people of this great nation. All right. You both are making me feel like a horrible person. So I guess now... I had to go return all of those green-tinted steno notebooks that I stole from Writer's House from 1995 to 1999. And Joel? Mole Man likes a good paper clip. Yeah, okay. I don't think I have... <laughs> you were waiting on that one. You were loaded. Don't... I, I know you... And, and, and I know WERU has some good paper clips here because don't think I haven't looked at the... Office supply cabinet. We've been keeping an eye on you, Judge. Casing the joint, you call it. All right, Liz. Here's what I'm going to say. Liz, your boyfriend is stealing. Stealing from his office. There is a self-destructive streak in what is going on here. He is either looking to hurt his office or he's looking to hurt himself by getting reprimanded or fired from his office. The Sharpies, as we always know, Sharpie hoarding is just a symptom of a deeper problem. And in this case, you need to get to the bottom with your boyfriend as to what he, what message he's trying to send to you and the world and his office by hoarding all these Sharpies. As much as I love Sharpies, P.S., this is too many Sharpies, Liz's boyfriend. <laughs> Deal with the underlying issue and stop uh, sabotaging your office and stop leaving Sharpie booby traps for Liz to find. One Sharpie that, that slips through Liz's uh, careful eye and gets into the laundry that'll screw up a lot of your clothes too yeah i was gonna say the, the, they're going through the laundry that's messed up you can't do that get it together liz's boyfriend look inside talk to liz figure out what's going on in your life and stop hoarding these sharpies let's take a break when we come back the return of our smash hit segment creepy cool babies we'll be back with more soon on judge john hodgman back for another game you know it What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. 
Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. John, it's time for perhaps the most beloved and only recurring segment on Judge John Hodgman. Creepy Cool Babies. That's right, Josh Gondelman. It's our proprietary segment that we started a couple of weeks ago called Creepy Cool Babies. Now, I never presume that anyone is up to date with all the episodes of Judge John Hodgman. So if I'm repeating information that you already know, forgive me, but this will help listeners get up to speed. Josh, a couple of weeks ago, someone sent in a dispute between a friend and a friend. The question was, is butt leg? Is butt leg? That is to say, is the butt part of the leg or is the butt just butt? Mm -hmm. Quick answer on your part, if I may. Butt's just butt. Butt's just butt. Obviously, butt's just butt. Butt's not leg. But Jesse pointed out that is butt leg sounds like the sort of question uh, a two or three-year-old would ask. That would get you thinking for most of the day. Mm -hmm. So we asked listeners to send in questions that a two or three-year-old or a toddler might might pose that would be real uh, head scratchers. And that was wonderful. People sent in all sorts of deep questions that their toddlers had asked. But it feared, if I may say, and this is why you're the nicest person in comedy and I'm the grumpiest person in humorist circles. It veered on the cutesy. It veered on the cutesy. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you say, Joel, veered on the cutesy? Cutesy. Yeah. Those kids were saying the darndest things. <laughs> they were saying the darndest things. It was very, very cute. But luckily the moment was saved by one a dad who wrote in that his son, I believe it was, had asked him if he knew, if he personally knew the soul harvester, which was a <laughs> reference... <laughs> Still kills it every time. <laughs> the Soul Harvester, the, this is a whole story that I won't get into, but the Soul Harvester is a reference to a very scary animatronic Halloween decoration sold by Spirit Halloween that the child had discovered online somewhere. Wow. And so the next mission to our listeners, and one that I hope will continue, is we don't want to hear any cutesy stuff from your toddlers. I'm sure they're all adorable. Believe me. I agree with you. You can send me the cutesy stuff, too. But for the podcast, we no longer want stuff from cool babies, but specifically creepy cool babies, toddlers, two, three, four, five-year-olds, a little bit older, young kids, saying things that are scary. So let's get into it, Jesse. Here's uh, something from Erica about her six-year-old daughter. She says, my eldest child is six now, but threw off some wonderful creepy vibes from a very young age. One night when she was about three, we were talking about our dog. And I told her one of my co-workers had a dog of the same breed. I mentioned that the dog's name was Stewie, but left out the fact that Stewie had recently died. She replied, Stewie is a ghost. She went on to tell me that he was with a little girl who was wearing all pink. <laughs> Genuinely creepy. Very creepy. Yeah. This kid brought in a second creepy baby from the spectral realm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This creepy baby tag-teamed it with a creepy baby that died years ago, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, this all-seeing creepy baby 
saw through the planes of existence. Mm-hmm. Stewie is a ghost. Very scary. Here's something from uh, Daniel. I took a neighborhood walk this holiday season with my six-year-old, and he earnestly warned me that the street we were on had a Jesus family statue, which is what he calls a nativity mm-hmm. scene. He also warned me that I shouldn't look at the baby Jesus's eyes or I would, quote, feel like I had to fall down, <laughs> unquote. We walked by and he told me when to avert my gaze and when it was safe. <laughs> feel like I had to fall down. Something happened between Daniel's child and that and that Jesus baby. Very, very unnerving. Also, Jesus and the Family Statue is my favorite Christian soul cover band. (laughs) (laughs) You ever get creeped out in Massachusetts by uh, Catholic iconography, Josh Gondelman? Yeah, I guess it eventually got so that I was just like, oh, this is just like normal everywhere stuff. But I think before I was anesthetized to it, I was like, whoa, this is a lot. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, there there were some paintings... My my dad had two aunts, uh, who uh, and they were obviously sisters of each other. And one of them had never married, and one was a widow. A widow, and they lived together for years in the same house in Frankfurt Street in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. And there were a lot of scary Catholic paintings, including a lot of gore and a lot of a lot of staring baby Jesuses. And they haunt me to this day. I feel like I need to fall down thinking of them. <laughs> I understand. I wish Daniel had been there to tell me, avert your eyes. Avert your eyes. <laughs> they have no power over you if you don't make eye contact. That's right. <laughs> Baby Jesus can't see you as long as you don't move. <laughs> <laughs> You're just standing there. The water is rippling in the glass. <laughs> Okay, Sean writes, when my son was four, he told us that he was a bad kid. I want someone in the audience to to remix that. I mean, maybe it's too much, but to like drop in a baby Jesus where the T-Rex is in Jurassic Park. (laughs) When my son was four, he told us he was a bad kid. We told him he wasn't and that he was, in fact, a very good kid. He smiled and said he was kidding. Then he looked at us and said, actually... I do crime and I don't tell you. <laughs> so this is this I think was mistakenly sent in for creepy cool babies. As a son of Massachusetts, I can tell you this should go on your second proprietary segment, Wicked Cool Babies. <laughs> <laughs> Just babies ripping butts behind a seven eleven. <laughs> That's Actually, who this baby I do is. crime and I don't tell you. <laughs> do you guys think this is street crime or white collar crime i can't tell which i would be more impressed right because a four-year-old is not physically imposing enough to do street crime you would think but also to have a sophisticated knowledge of financial systems and computing would be would really blow me away to get this age yeah, I feel like we need more information to make that determination. Like, does this kid have a, a green translucent visor? <laughs> Sean, let us know. I'll read this last one yeah. if you don't mind, Jesse. Sure. This one comes from Nicholas. My four-year-old came down in the middle of the night with her stuffed owl that plays music. That that alone is sounds like a weird dream. That's not possible. <laughs> sure. 
She said, Owl is dead. I went to change the batteries, but they were fully charged. And the owl was not dead, but working. I handed it back to her, and she happily went back to bed. The next morning when I went out for a morning run, all right, that's a brag. The next morning when (laughs) I went out for a morning run, I saw a dead owl in front of my driveway. We live in a big city, so dead wildlife is not something I run into. To this incident, my wife and I were freaked out when a few months later, she came downstairs a couple hours after she went to sleep. She had a big smile on her face and said, we're underwater. (laughs) 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 No, I mean, the catch here is that if she was, they don't say whether she was wearing a green visor. Could it, because it could have just been a mortgage thing. Yep. Is again very very knowledgeable. It creepy in a different way. You want to shield yeah. kids from oh, that kind of oh, stuff. Oh yeah, no. I just I just presumed that she was predicting a catastrophic flood. But you're saying that they might be foreclosed upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the debts outstrip the asset. I got mm-hmm. you. Okay. Uh, yeah, these are all very scary children. Thank you very much for sending them in. We have a few more that I'll read next week. If you have some creepy, creepy cool baby stories that you want to send in, or some wicked cool baby stories. <laughs> if you're in Massachusetts or New England, uh, just write to me at Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. Speaking of creepy children, before we close this segment, I just want to thank Aiden K., one of our inspirations for this segment. Josh, if you don't know, Aiden is 16 going on 17, and he is one of the editors of the Spirit Halloween Wiki. It's a wiki devoted to Spirit Halloween products and animatronics, and he specifically works on the Harvester of Souls page. And uh, and we and we had a letter from him last week. He was very excited that we were talking about the Harvester of Souls and the Harvester of Souls wiki page that he helps to co-edit. I would like to report, Jesse Thorne, that I checked today. Uh, uh, the mention of Judge John Hodgman is now the top item in the trivia section of the Harvester of yeah. Souls page where it belongs. This is big. Yeah, this Thank is you. big. Thank you, Aiden. We're even above uh, what had been the top trivia uh, tidbit of the Harvester of Souls which, Josh, you may not know this, but the previous top trivia tidbit for the Harvester of Souls animatronic is that its code name within the company is Strawberry. So we're doing we're doing well. <laughs> that kind of takes a little of the menace out of it. Have you yeah. seen the Harvester of Souls, Josh Connellman? I'm going to look it up right now yeah, to make sure I can picture it, but I might be picturing the wrong thing. They could have at least chosen a menacing berry. Yeah. Gooseberry is not unmenacing. No. Oh, I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Very spooky. But imagine like, I'm the harvester of souls. Tremble before strawberry. (laughs) (laughs) You should do voices for these animatronics, Josh. This could be another uh, area of income for you. Can you do a high-pitched gremlin cackle? Oh, high-pitched gremlin cackle? Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) I can do that. Just like... (laughs) It's me, (laughs) Raspberry, the demon from the great beyond. Wow. Pack it in, phones. Josh Gondelman doesn't need you anymore. <laughs> the yeah. Spirit Halloween store, year-round, is who I'm throwing my chips in with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aiden sent in, uh, after he mentioned and read Aiden's letter on the podcast last week, Aiden sent in a video, which he posted to his YouTube channel. It's a very charming video. There is, in fact, a Harvester of Souls right behind him as well as several other animatronics, Aiden mentions in the video that he, the 16-year-old going on 17 years old, 
owns 29 individual animatronics from the Spirit Collection. Jesse, I'm going to give out a bit link so that listeners can look at this video, but I'm urging you, Jesse, this is a real content warning for you because over Aiden's shoulder is an upside-down Dracula that is very scary. Is there any Wolfmans in there? There are no Wolfmans. There is a creepy clown, uh, and there is a Harvester of Souls, and and a number of other ones. John, I have a I have a comment here about this video. Yeah, uh, I I'm <laughs> I'm checking it out on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. Aiden is a, is indeed a, a charmer. Uh, I noticed in the comments this exchange. So Haunter's Corner uh, asked, "Did you actually create the Spirit Halloween Wiki?" And Aiden replied, I did not create it. No. Which I like his honesty. He's an honest, he says, honest person. Yeah. I and three other people are the current co-owners. The person who started it hasn't been heard from in years. <laughs> so spooky. <laughs> so spooky. Wow. Soul uh, harvested. <laughs> oh, boy. Aiden My made... My goodness gracious. Yeah, Aiden made a reference to the fact that I said we should interview him. And uh, and 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 before I agreed to do that, I, I wanted to check out Aiden's other videos on his YouTube channel because I, my concern was that he was maybe planning uh, to invade a state capital or something. But nope, he's just a wonderful <laughs> person. I would say based on his accent, I am the world's greatest accent detective. He's probably from Philadelphia, South Jersey or Baltimore area. Tell me if I'm right, Aiden. But all of his other videos, if they're not about Spirit Halloween, they're about David Bowie and uh, and his favorite David Bowie songs. Aiden's birthday's coming up on February the 7th. Happy birthday in advance, Aiden. I am hereby booking you on Bullseye. <laughs> am I allowed to do that, Jesse? <laughs> I don't think so. I think even I have to run everything through Robert Siegel. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then I will do an interview with Aiden as a as a members only special, uh, and Jesse, you can come on board if you want. Josh, you can be there too if it's not too scary. Sure. The docket's clear. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Our thanks to our friend Josh Gondelman for joining us today. You can follow him at Josh Gondelman on Twitter. His podcast, Make My Day, is a true delight. Recent guests include friend of the court, Linda Holmes, our buddy Tom Sharpling, and Judge John Hodgman himself. And speaking of delightful, Josh's book of essays, Nice Try, Stories of Best Intentions and Mixed Results, is available wherever books are sold. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Our engineer in Maine is Joel Mann, program and operations manager at WERU Community Radio in Orland, Maine. You can listen to WERU at WERU.org, and you can follow Joel on Instagram. His handle is the Maine Man. Joel, Follow us Joel. on Twitter at Jesse Thorne. Hang on, hang on. Yes, <laughs> Joel, yes. You got to make a, ba- a backup account. Mole Man, the Mole Man. I already have one. You do? Yeah. You it, don't know? It's private. <laughs> I'm not on your finsta? <laughs> All right, cut his line. Go ahead, Jesse. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. We're on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. Make sure to hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets, hashtag JJHO, and check out the Maximum Fund subreddit to discuss this episode. Submit your cases at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. 
Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.